Good morning, everyone. It's good to see you this morning. I feel like I'm not sure that I've got that much more to add to the song we've just sung, saying, Singing God is Love. So the topic today is um, being transformed, changing how we see others, and a bit of a focus on social justice. But actually, what more can you say than God is love? God loves us, God loves everybody, and... Um, maybe the extension of that is, if we want to follow God, then we can love everyone too. Should we just leave it there? I'll, I'll say a little bit more. <laughs> I'll say a little bit more. Um, so I'm just going to talk for a short while this morning, and then we've also got... So Kat Simmons was up this week. Um, so Kat, some of you will know and have met before. She's been to church before. She's our link into Oasis nationally. She comes on a regular basis, um, and I have nice long chats with her. Um, so she was up this week, so I was like, Kat, why don't you talk to us about... Um, what Oasis does in terms of social justice. So we recorded a conversation, um, so we're going to play that um, for the second half of the talk. So I'm just going to give a bit of context first, and then we're going to play a video conversation between me and Kat talking about what Oasis does in terms of social justice. But to start, I just want to read a passage from the Bible. So this is from Matthew 5, and I guess so. the context is this is part of the wider Sermon on the Mount, and it's a series of things that Jesus talked about which was challenging the status quo. And I think sometimes when we read this passage, it can be quite hard to recognize how much it challenges the status quo because we've, lots of us have grown up reading it, and so we don't understand what it's challenging necessarily because we're so used to it. But all of the passages in the Sermon of the Mount, they... Um, they challenge the status quo in some, some way. So um, this is Matthew 5, um, starting at verse 43. So this is Jesus saying, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. I've felt like I wanted to like miss out that last sentence, the be perfect, therefore that feels like too much of a challenge, if I'm honest. But anyway, so moving on from that little sentence. <laughs> um, so this week we're continuing our series looking at how our progressive theology makes a difference for how we live our lives. And as Ralph said in his introduction a few weeks ago, there's not that much point is there in thinking about theology if it doesn't make a difference in our lives. Like, what's the point? So this is us trying to say, this is the point. This is how it can be relevant and how we can apply it. So we're thinking about how God transforms and changes us through our understanding of him and how he works in our lives and in the world. So this week we're thinking about how our progressive theology changes the way we think about other people and then making a link to social justice to try and make this real and impactful and relevant, hopefully. Um, so, and I, th I guess it's probably relevant to say at the beginning that 
our thinking about social justice today is probably going to focus more on how we do stuff rather than whether we should get involved in social justice. Um, I guess that I'm taking it as a given, maybe, that we think that social justice is relevant and important, or maybe it's a subject for another day. Um, so, so yeah, it's more focusing on how we, how we do it. Um, and I guess the verse we just read together is a good foundation for that because it's about loving our neighbors and our enemies. Or to put it a different way, loving people like us and loving people who are, people who are different, even those who might seek to do us harm, which is a challenge, right? That's not easy. It's not always easy to love people who love us, let alone loving people who might not. Um, but before just delving into this a little bit further, I wanted to pick out the second bit of verse 45, which says, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. So in other words, God pours out blessing on everyone. God isn't differentiating between who receives his love and blessing. It's for everyone. It's for all of us. And I guess one of the themes that's come out of our conversations about what a progressive theology looks like is that there's no us and them. We're all of equal value. God is for all of us. We're all part of that extended family of God. And that feels really important if we're talking about the way we see other people, that each person we see is loved and blessed by God. God is on their side, rooting for them, loving them, wanting relationship and connection with them. And I guess because the way we think about people changes the way we act, changes the way we treat people, this, is, this feels really, really important, understanding. And when I say understanding, I don't just mean head understanding, but really understanding deep down that you know, God loves everybody I meet, everybody I know, and people I just hear of, God loves everybody, that feels really important. And if we think back to the autumn when we talked about original blessing, that knowledge that each and every person on this planet is created in the image of God, is loved from the very beginning, and that never goes away, that God calls us loved and beloved before anything else, that really can change how we see other people, can't it? might be difficult to remember sometimes, but it, can, it really changes how we see other, part, other people. And so maybe it means that our task is not to help people who are born sinful to become someone they're not, but it means our task in life is to see each person's goodness, which is there from the very beginning, to see God's image in each person we meet and perhaps to help them see that goodness for themselves too, because we all know it's not always easy to see it in ourselves either, is it? And that's not easy. It's especially not easy when there are people who have hurt us. So I don't want to make this sound glib or easy, because you know we all know it's not. But perhaps if we look at the world this way, if we walk around trying to see the good in people, trying to find the image of God that is in them, Maybe it's easier for us to find hope. Maybe it's less easy to write someone off. It helps us to stop being fearful of people who are different if we can go around the world looking to find the goodness in them. And perhaps it means we treat people differently as well. We respect people, believe in them, believe in their ability to do good in the world, 
Because I don't think that when we're talking about change and transformation, I don't think it's about becoming somebody that we're not. I think it's about becoming who we really are, fully human in the image of God. And when sometimes the systems and structures and just the reality of living in the world has made this really hard for us and for lots of other people, it stops that from happening, doesn't it? That's what stops us becoming the real human that we really are. And so recognizing that feels like it can change the way we see people. So I don't know about you, but I know I need to challenge myself sometimes when I think about someone in a way that might dehumanize them or doesn't respect their ability to make a difference. It can be really easy, can't it? Just to fall into that trap of thinking about people in really general terms, just making assumptions about them, just dehumanizing them. Um, And I, you know, we all need to check ourselves, don't we, when that happens? One of the things I love about our open house in the week here is how our space just enables everyone to be able to give back, that we're not treating people as numbers or a number in a queue, at least we're trying really hard not to, but we're creating a space where everyone can give back. And I think this is part of how we work at seeing God in everybody, Um, seeing the goodness in everybody is giving people, everyone, that opportunity to give back. It's far too easy to see someone who is homeless or maybe somebody that's been in prison or addicted to drugs or alcohol or add in whatever other category that might be difficult sometimes and it's too easy to see someone and just write them off because of what we might know or what we assume by looking at them. And, you know, we might find it hard to connect with certain people, but it is when we create that space to listen and to be willing to learn from them, as well as to support them, that there's a real connection. That's where real community happens, when we create space to listen and we recognize that God is in everyone, there's goodness in everybody. One of the things that gives me real joy is when I see somebody in open house who I might know is experiencing some really tough times, who is actually helping out and giving back. Um, The joy on somebody's face that we see sometimes, that, that somebody that might be homeless or marginalized in some way, and they have got the biggest smile on their face because they're doing the dishes. And I know most of us might groan when we have to do the dishes, but just that simple act is so meaningful and important. And it's because, um, we're, you know, it's, it's somebody being able to give back. Um, being able to value somebody for their talents, regardless what we, what the the world, what stereotypes think about something, it's really, really important. Um, and for me, that's part of um, everybody being able to feel normal and feel part of community. Too often. Um, we write people off, don't we? People become invisible or ignored or just seen as a problem that needs fixing. And I think if we, that if we read the Bible, we look at how Jesus treated people, um, we see somebody who listened, who got to know, pe- got to know people, and that um, relationship was always really important. 
something else that I've been thinking about in relation to this is, um, I guess, something I've found helpful when we've been looking at our progressive theology is, um, and we've been looking at how we might understand the cross differently, is reflecting on how Jesus dying on the cross talks to us about God coming among us in our suffering, how Jesus understands our suffering because he experienced that suffering on the cross. And how that's much more helpful than thinking of the cross as Jesus taking our punishment or taking God's anger. And I read recently Richard Raw said that many humans have become reflections of the punitive God they worship. And I guess there's a level to which that rings true. You know, if we think that God is wanting to punish people who do bad things, maybe that because that kind of comes through in our actions and the way we see people. Um, so I think that actually thinking through what we believe and what we think feels really important because it does change our attitudes and beliefs about other people as well, doesn't it? It feels that if we, you know, if we were to believe that God wants to punish us, it's too easy to move from that to judging other people, to judging them for what we rightly or wrongly think is inherent badness or for the choices they've made about the way they live their lives or maybe even thinking they deserve the suffering they experience. And I guess that's something we definitely want to put a stop to. That's not, I think, what the heart of God is at all. Um, It's too easy, isn't it, to condemn people or write them off because they're not saved or not living the lives we think they should. Um, And of course, that's not to say that Jesus had nothing to say about oppression, injustice, or the things that humans have got wrong. Jesus had a lot to say about all of those things. We hear him speaking out against all of these things throughout the Gospels. But we can see how the cross opposes injustice by Jesus acting differently. Jesus didn't play the game. He challenged the status quo. And we can also see that throughout his life, can't we? So um, those of you who are here, when Simon was here recently, he talked about ways that Jesus um, challenged the status quo and the way things were done, didn't he? And the reading at the beginning is an example as well. And part of that longer passage of Jesus teaching that's full of the challenges to the status quo, challenges um, to the way things are just done, the way we think about things. We can also see it through the death and resurrection of Jesus. So he didn't impose punishment on other people. He walked through the suffering of the cross, challenged the status quo of retribution, that status quo that says, Something, somebody does bad things to me, I'm going to like, do bad things to them. That's the, way it, that's the way it works. And it was a challenge to the oppressive Roman Empire, wasn't it? Like that context of Jesus being living at a time of empire and oppression and Jesus challenged that through everything that he did in life. But he also challenged it by loving instead of punishing through grace, not judgment, through loving his enemies even when they crucified him. That's a huge challenge to us, isn't it? When we're working to follow Jesus's way, to challenge the status quo and the way we work to put things right, what our responses are when we see something wrong, how do we, how do we work to put things right, how do we call out oppression, how do we love people back into community, 
How do we bring freedom? How can we be a people who are full of grace, not full of judgment? Many people who empathize with a sort of liberation theology perspective on the world would say that the task of the Christian life is not to make more Christians, but to care for the poor, to show love and compassion for our neighbors. And that's backed up by the Magnificat when Mary talks about God as bringing down the powerful and lifting up the lowly, filling the hungry and sending the rich away empty. And it's also in what um, lots of people would call Jesus' manifesto when he announces the start of his ministry in Luke chapter 4. And he talks about how God has anointed him to bring good news to the poor, proclaim release to the captives and to let the oppressed go free. So that means that living in our salvation, so a full and whole life for ourselves, also means working for our neighbor's salvation, for our neighbor to have a full and whole life, that our lives are intertwined so we live out our salvation together. And, and salvation is not, or maybe it's not just, about a future hope of going to heaven when we die, but it's about living in the kingdom of heaven here and now that Jesus' resurrection brought the possibility of a new life and that God brings this to our current world through us in little pockets as we live it. We're all kind of bringing the kingdom of God to life, aren't we, as we try to follow Jesus. And so thinking about how we see others is about thinking about what this kingdom of heaven is like, a kingdom full of wholeness and freedom and healing, harmony and well-being for everyone a kingdom where individuals and communities are invited to participate in the blessing of God. And so our life as a Christian community is one where we're working at bringing that for everyone. Maybe it's following Jesus' example of being a bit of a radical, a bit subversive, challenging the status quo through radical love, radical forgiveness, seeing people differently, finding the good in them, and not judging but living in grace together. Um, so that's maybe some of the background. So um, we're going to play the conversation that me and Kat had this week, um, which is focused on what it is that Oasis does in terms of social justice and how Oasis goes across that. Obviously, that's us, because we're part of Oasis, and it's also the wider Oasis. So if we can just play that now, please. So Kat, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Can, Absolute pleasure. Can you just, like, people know who you are because you've been to church before, but could you just remind us about who you are and your role in Oasis? Sure, and it really is great to join you remotely uh, today. So I'm Kat Simmons. I'm part of the Oasis leadership team. I lead the part of Oasis called Oasis Community Partnerships, which looks after all of our children's youth and community work, and including our church locations as well. Fab. So could you tell us why is social justice and activism such an important part of what Oasis does? Yeah, sure. You'll all be familiar with some of the key words in Oasis around our ethos and our vision, which um, is for community, a place where everyone's, everyone's included, making a contribution and reaching their God-given potential. So I think kind of social activism is really important because actually for there to be genuine inclusion, for there to be opportunities for people to generally meet their God-given potential, 
sometimes you have to go out of your way to challenge injustice, to out, out of your way to be intentional to include people and really address some of those issues that are around the kind of theme of restoration, both for individuals and for community. So yes, you can do a whole load of work and as you do here through, um, through all your projects that builds on community, builds on the assets that you've got, but you also need to sometimes challenge those injustices and go out of your way to create spaces for yeah, individuals or groups that aren't included in, in the mainstream. Yeah, absolutely. So tell us, can you tell us something about the way that happens in Oasis? So something about the thinking behind why yeah. we work in the ways that we work? Yeah, and I'm just grabbing my phone because um, there's um, some key work we've been doing around, we're calling it our therapeutic approach, which I think works across every element of what Oasis does. So that includes our education, our housing work, and then also some of the more targeted work we're developing, like the Secure School, which is preparing to open in Kent. The team very recently got the keys to the building. So it's really still exciting. some final work to do, but so exciting. But that's working with young people who've largely going to have um, life sentences. There'll be some that aren't, right. who have obviously been involved in, in criminal justice and they're now going to be you know, in the care of Oasis through the Secure School. So we talk about there being two key themes to our work. The first is around community building and transformation. So that's the work that happens in locations like Hull and Grimsby and Scunthorpe and other locations around the country, which is ideally holistic, integrated and local. So that's what's happening in, in our communities. But there's also a theme around restoration. And we talk about our restoration work being relational, reflective and formational. So that happens both within our communities, but as I say, also places like Restore, with those intentional kind of separate pieces of work. And so I think really recognising that where there are, where there are, you know, other young people or adults who are struggling, there's always a story behind that. There's always a reason why. And so how can we be like, yeah, working with the individual in a relational way, really wanting to work towards restoration and personalising that for individuals and what that really looks like for, for them in their context and their circumstances but that actually you can't always treat, we can never pe treat people the same, can you? But yeah. some people need that very targeted approach, but recognising we've done a whole load of work to equip our teams on being trauma-informed, recognising that often the reactions we see will be because of an experience of trauma in childhood or later life. And so how you can work with those issues to get to the cause rather than just always dealing with the kind of reactions that we experience. So I think that's really interesting. So thinking about what we've been talking about today, which is that idea that everybody's born good, mm. like that original goodness, God created us all in his mm. own image. Yeah. But actually thinking about with that with some of that sort of restoration work and thinking about people's pasts and what's made them like they are, what's made mm. what's led to the challenges they faced and things. Like, I guess that focus on just trying to find the good in everybody must be a really powerful thing. Yeah, absolutely. And I, um, in one of my previous roles in Oasis, I worked in North London in our team there and led some projects working with young people. And then we did a lot of work with a youth gang because they were part of our local community. And actually getting to know those young people, we did some targeted work with them. You get to know their stories. Yeah. And yes, the things they were up to were horrendous and they were involved, some of them, were um, ended up in prison on a joint enterprise conviction around for a murder that took place and so really deeply involved in some of the work but there was one young person I got to know pretty well 
as soon as you knew his context, it all came from trauma. He experienced actually his own, his own mum had been in prison, so an aunt was looking after him and doing the best that she could. But she was a single parent of so three yeah. of her own children, had taken in her nephew as well and was working two jobs to be able to support them all. And so he didn't really have much supervision at home. And so he found a new family and the family he found was in the youth gang who showed him care and showed him acceptance. Yes, they were also using him, but he obviously yeah. couldn't see that happening because all he was, he just found a place to find that sense of belonging. And so it's actually how can we, how can we help create that sense of belonging somewhere else that isn't involved in all of that work. And, yeah, yeah. you know, sadly for him and others, you know you you can see some of the issues but then dealing with that is a, a different thing but yeah i i learned to see that actually even though they were involved in some really un unpleasant activities i could see why they got um, kind of drawn into that does that make sense yeah so yeah yeah you just see you you see the individual don't you which i think jesus modeled that so well didn't he that you, yes there may be some presenting issues but you you don't you don't ignore those issues but you also see the person yeah and I guess Oasis Restore will be similar principles trying to see the individual behind um you know like it's so easy for us just to look at somebody's done this thing that's wrong but it's yeah. seeing the individual person behind that yeah and there's so many the people who've been just behind the designing the kind of both the building but then also just all the programs like they are just their minds are remarkable because they've really tried really hard obviously a young person has no choice but be there there has to be security features yeah. in place there has to be some boundaries but um i've not had a chance to visit yet but those that have been to say it feels almost like university kind of halls of residence like they've got their own self-contained units um the visiting center is far more um like homely than you'd get normally in any kind of young offenders institution so and actually there's two kind of family kitchen style spaces in the visiting centre so families can come and cook together and eat together so actually that young person gets to experience a family meal that they've cooked and prepared with you know whoever it comes from their family so it just actually whilst there's no pretending there's they're not there for a reason you're creating their environment where actually they are nurtured I think yeah. nurture is quite a key word for us that everyone deserves to be nurtured and that we can play a role in nurturing people both whilst they're part of our communities, but also supporting, yeah, that kind of wider support in, in community beyond our projects as well. Sounds amazing. Sounds, I'm always inspired when I listen to other people across the Oasis mm. Network and what they're doing and the difference they're making. Um, are there any other um, examples that you think particularly bring this into practice or like you don't have to have them? In yeah, no, there is, um, it's interesting. We've, we were involved in a pilot with the Manchester, Greater Manchester Advanced Reduction Unit a couple of years ago, and that work's really grown. So we've now got a team of over 20 practitioners working across Greater Manchester. And the starting point there is working with young people. So we have a team of navigators that are working with young people that either enter um, A&E or, or the kind of any kind of formal process as a result of youth violence. We're also just launching that in um, custody suites as well. But also we've got some funding to work with parents as yeah. to support them as well. Yeah. So if their young person's in either been a victim of or a perpetrator of violence, recognising that can be really difficult for parents to kind of get their heads around. And so there's a support system in place for them as well. And just recently we had a situation where it was actually a student at one of the Oasis Academies in Manchester had been attacked on their way home from school. And so because they ended up in hospital, they got referred to our, our team. 
but also happened to be in Oasis students, so there was support from the school as well. And the initial response had been, we're not sure how we can keep this young person safe, because they didn't know the details, they didn't know who had tapped the, the student, but suspected it was other students at the academy. Right. And so the initial conversation was, we're not sure we can keep you safe here. But the young person and their parents both wanted to stay in the school because right. they loved the nurture they got at yeah. the academy. So with the navigators working alongside the school, they put some safety plans in place that school was happy with, parents was happy with, our, our kind of youth work team were happy with. And it meant that young person had a real kind of scaffolding of support, but was able to stay in the school where they felt like they kind of had connections and had um, support already and actually the parents were so happy with the result they ended up um, getting in contact with the team feeding that back of actually the individual bits on their own could have worked but the joining up together actually is what made a difference yeah. to that family so yeah that sounds really special I like I guess yeah those themes of belonging and creating community mm. together and creating that Christ-centered community together is a really valuable and and special thing to be able to be part of yeah absolutely yeah I think you know we often talk about how a lot of our work is like inspired by the life teaching and example of Jesus and I think it's particularly when you get to inclusion like you've got no better example really have you of how you do that well yeah fab thank you so much Kat for your time thank you it's a pleasure I'm hoping that you're going to take that picture off John so everyone doesn't have to look at me trying to switch the video off okay let's just take a moment I guess there's been quite a lot of information there um, and maybe quite a lot of challenge as well so I just want us to take a moment to maybe think about some of this with God so if there's something that has just struck you this morning then maybe just take this time just to talk to God about it Maybe there's someone you want to be able to see the good in. You find it a little bit difficult. Maybe you can lift them to God this morning. Or maybe there's someone you feel yourself wanting to judge, but you really want to be able to fully love them. You want to lift them to God. Maybe we want to practice seeing the good, seeing God's divine image in people we see every day, people we sit next to on the bus, people we see on the street, people we see on the news. Just take a moment to tell God if that's what you want to do. Maybe there's someone at work or in our family or a friend who we find frustrating, but we want to practice understanding their circumstances and loving them through it. Let's bring that to God. Ask God to help us.
And maybe there are situations of oppression and injustice that we want to do something about. It could be anything. It could be the poverty we see every day. It could be people living in abusive situations. People who are lonely. Children who don't get the start in life they deserve. People who experience racism or homophobia or sexism. Maybe today is the day we want to think about how we can make a difference. How we can love people through giving our time, our money, our voice, or whatever else. If that's something that's on your heart, then maybe lift that to God. Maybe today is the day we want to talk to God about how God brings the kingdom of heaven to earth through us. Maybe today is the day we choose to see other people, everyone, as loved and blessed by God and to participate in making this a reality. Holy God, there is so much oppression, injustice in the world. So many people living through difficult circumstances. So many people who have been damaged and hurt by what's gone on in their lives or what's gone on around them in the world. We pray that you will help us to see people differently, help us to see people through your eyes, through your eyes of love and blessing. That you will help us to see where we can make a difference, see where we can participate in making people's lives different, in seeing the good in people and welcoming and helping them be part of community helping them to heal and to live wholesome and full lives. Amen.